Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. It's intro take two <laughs> today. That's what <laughs> cylinder we're firing on. <laughs> Hope everyone's Stupid having snow a great ruins morning. everything. <laughs> yeah. Christy's in snow. We're very upset. She's supposed to come here to North Carolina this weekend. We're supposed to hang out and mm. we're gonna do we're gonna do like a girls' night and have face masks and do nails and watch a <laughs> rom com. That's the plan. So we're pretty yes. excited, but the snow is messing with us and she had to change her flight. She's coming in a day later if she makes it at all. We're very yeah. upset. <laughs> yes, and but although you guys will know if it happened by the time this dropped, because we will probably post on social media and that, you know, this drops after the That's weekend. True. So yeah. So we just don't y'all know. know. At at the time of recording this, we don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. So, but I am excited if I do make it because we can cheers in person for all the exciting stuff that's going to happen next week, which is when our hundredth episode, our hundredth official episode drops next Monday. And we will have some awesome content for our patrons that week as well. So if you have not become a patron yet, this is the time to do it. Mm -hmm. It's a brand new month. Oh, and the one hundredth episode is a doozy, by the way. It is. It it's is absolutely yeah. bananas. Yeah, it's, it was. It's a crazy case, and um, it'll be interesting to hear everyone else's thoughts on it, and then also thoughts on what we drop special afterwards. And speaking, sorry, of patrons, we should probably thank our the patrons. ones that have joined. Yes, we have Ashley, Jess, Candice, and Morgan. Hello, closet so sisters in the house. Yes. Well, that's right. I shouldn't even call them patrons. You're closet sisters. Although <laughs> everyone that listens, we call closet sisters. Yeah. These are now official, official closet So great, guys. We appreciate you guys so much. I can, I'm shocked. <laughs> shocked we have I, some I already. <laughs> exactly. I was like, who's going to pay for more content from us? We'll see how this goes. <laughs> we are super excited. It's the time though. It's we. It's time. Yeah, we pushed it off for a really long time. We yeah, talked we about it. I don't know how many times we like talked about it. And then we'd be like, no, we're not going to do it. I don't know. What would we provide? Right. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Now so. we got it. Now we know we what we're going to provide. We've mm-hmm. got some things yeah. in the works and we're pretty excited about them. So yes, next week is going to be amazing. Cannot wait. Can't wait to cheers Christy whenever she gets here because that's what the universe is going to do for us. It's going to clear and she's going to come and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty too. excited. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Also, I wanted to say about this particular episode that is coming that I failed to say when we recorded the episode, I have a book. I have a book oh. I can give away. So we'll do something um, mm-hmm. this okay. week on social media that you guys can enter and you know we'll draw at random and somebody can win a book. This book is fabulous. You guys will like it. I loved it. It's a good one. I just forgot to say when we were recording. (laughs) That's funny. It's coming. (laughs) So check our social media. Become a patron. Become a closet sister on Patreon. If you have questions about how to do that, send us a message. Yeah. But there is a link in our um, Instagram profile and that has all the links to all the things. And that the patron link is on there too. Cool. Okay. All orders of business. 
Anything else going yep. on? Get your butt here. I'm trying. I am trying, girl. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking snow. <laughs> I was thinking when you said we could cheers early for the 100th episode, we should totally get balloons that say 100. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We're not going to, but that'd be cool. Because I, I ain't got time for that. But that'd be cool. <laughs> be cool and extra. I don't know. Stay tuned. I think our party city closed, so there may be a problem, but I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> See what oh my happens. gosh, that would be funny. A cute little photo op <laughs> idea, though. Yeah, right? I don't know. I'll just write it on some post board or something. It'll be all right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, we could do poster board, but. <laughs> all right. I have a crime for you if you want a crime for your Monday. I do. All right. Here it comes. Okay, Christy. This case that I'm about to tell you about was suggested by our friend, Karen. <gasps> oh, Karen. We know yes. Karen. <laughs> Karen is also a Carolina girl like myself. Mm-hmm. And this case is local to me. It happened here in Raleigh. Oh, whoa. It's another one of them. Gosh. Raleigh that, cases. I don't know. Raleigh, Raleigh, like, I, I don't know about that anymore. Yeah, (laughs) we're all right. Okay, Okay. so I was living here at the time. I do vaguely remember this case. What I remember about this case is it's shocking, first of all. And it became kind of sensationalized, which was sad. Um, So that's what I remember about it. So anyway, that being said, this is the story of Laura Ackerson. And I think you're going to know this case as well. Well, I mean, that name sounds familiar, but you know me. Yeah, but I think you're going to know it when I start to get into details. So you'll have to let me know. Okay. So Laura Jean, by the way, my sister's name is Laura and her name is Laura Jean. Oh. (laughs) Weird coincidence, right? Laura Jean Ackerson was born on April 30th of 1984. She's a Taurus. Hmm. And she was born in Hastings, Michigan, to parents Roger and Brenda. Laura was one of seven children. Some were half-siblings, so seemed to be a blended family. And Mm -hmm. when Laura was young, her parents got divorced. And eventually, Laura moved with her mom to Iowa. And that's where she lived, like, her middle school, high school years. Okay. After she graduated from high school, she wanted to get away, as we all do, and some of us do. And she moved near, she had a half-brother that lived in Kinston, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so she moved there to be closer to him. So Kinston is about an hour, a little bit over an hour outside of Raleigh. She worked odd jobs, restaurants, stores. She's very young. I mean, you know, like I said, she moved out of high school. She's super beautiful, really, truly a lovely young lady. She was very fun. She was living near a big city and just figuring out what she wanted to do, figuring mm-hmm. figuring her life out. So Raleigh has quite a happening nightlife. And Laura would often go out and she would go dancing or listening to live music. And in 2007, she met a musician named Grant Hayes. Okay. So Grant was five years older than Laura. And like I said, he was a musician and he had, he was kind of a bit of a local celebrity in the Raleigh music scene. He was very 
Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, have you heard of him? Had you ever? I had never heard of him, actually. No. And I looked him up, too. Like, and um, he has some songs that are still on the, um, like, that he recorded that you can still find. I'm actually going to tell you about one specifically, a very special one later in the episode. But um, he, I had never heard of him. I don't know who he is. So, but. It was said that he did have a bit of a following. He played guitar. He sang. He was extremely charismatic. Very handsome fella. And he describes he describes his genre of music as acoustic soul. I don't mm. really know about that. It sounds a little like folk, folky to me, mm. folky reggae kind of. Um, I don't love it, but you know. Okay. Okay, anyway, fair. so his his name is Grant Hayes. And it's spelled H-A-Y-E-S, but he went by the stage name Grant Hayes with a Z, like H-A-Z-E. That was his stage name. Okay. Okay. So if you're so inclined, go look him up. Listen. So the two of them, both gorgeous people, and they were very attracted to each other and began dating. And just a few months into their relationship, they found out they were expecting a baby boy. Oh, Wow. So Grant Hayes IV was born in March of 2008. The couple were very in love and they loved their new baby and had each other. And they actually were like, we're going to do this. We're going to make a go of this. And we're going to we're going to start this little family. Good for them. So, yes. So Grant was continuing to pursue his music in the Raleigh scene while Laura stayed at home and took care of their son. She may have worked some odd jobs every now and then, but I think her most of her um, priority was to take care of the baby. And in 2009, Grant decided that he wanted to take his musical career to another level. And he moved the family to St. John in the Virgin Islands. Oh, oh, wow. So he felt like that his music, the type of music that he played would be, would have a better response, I guess, somewhere in the Virgin Islands. Plus it's the Virgin Islands, like, heck yeah. yeah. So it was there that Grant and Laura found out they were expecting another baby boy. And in August of 2009, their second son, Gentle, was born. Oh, Yes. Shortly after this baby was born, though, the couple kind of began falling apart. Laura decided that this like musician lifestyle on the island wasn't really for her. It wasn't really conducive for, you know, her family and the way that she wanted to raise them. So she and Grant parted ways and she moved her and the boys back to Kinston, North Carolina. Oh, closer to family. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Right. Well, just her brother. brother. But yeah. yeah. Um, so Grant stayed behind in the Virgin Islands to continue his music career. And as these stereotypical stories go, he met a woman mm-hmm. named Amanda. Let me tell you about Amanda. So Amanda, she's quite a bit older than Grant. Not quite a bit, but just older. Mm-hmm. She is very beautiful. Very beautiful woman. And she was actually quite a celebrity herself. In the, on the island? Mm-mm. Oh. So Amanda had an acting career up in, up in the NYC. She oh. was on some TV shows like The Sopranos, The O.C., and Dexter. 
Stop it. I won't. Small roles. She also had a small role, which you may know her from this one, in the movie The Stepford Wives. Did you ever see the movie The Stepford Wives? I did, but I don't know that. It's the one where they, like, program the women to be robots. Okay, so you remember the robot wife that, like, short-circuited at the party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And made all the other wives be like, what's going on here? That's Amanda. Oh. Amanda was that, that actress. Wow. All right. There you well, go. Good for you, Amanda. So, mm-hmm. so Amanda had been married several times before, like three or four, and she had a daughter when she was 17. So her daughter was older now. And her last husband that she had been married to right before she met Grant had actually been killed in an accident. And she had inherited a bit of money from him. It was actually an accident because you know okay, I, I was going to say what kind of accident, like <laughs> so car he was, or no, he was diving into a lake, oh. and he, he broke his neck, okay, and only lived like a day or two after breaking his neck. So it was like a devastating injury, okay. but truly an accident. But she did get some money. He was a very mm-hmm. very wealthy man, and she inherited some money from him. So Grant was like, "Hey, girl, you're rich and famous." I want to be rich and famous, so let's fall in love. So they do. Was she, was she living in St. John? I don't like, think so. I think just she on was vacation vacationing there. Okay. Yeah, with her daughter. I don't know. Some sources said she was there on vacation with her daughter, an extended vacation, I think is how it was worded. But then there's other sources that say that she was running like a some kind of store or something there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely sure. But okay. either way, the two of them met. They fell in love. So, but they decided not to stay in the Virgin Islands because it just wasn't, they couldn't make money there and whatever. So Grant, Amanda, and Amanda's daughter moved back to the U.S. and decided to live in Raleigh, North Carolina, which that's where Grant was from. And it's about an hour from Laura. And so he can be near his sons. And, you know, this is their plan. Mm -hmm. So they got married in Vegas, Grant and Amanda, in April of 2010. And for some reason, after they got married, they decided that they just were so done with Laura. They did not want to deal with her anymore. They were annoyed with her for whatever reason. They did not want to share custody. They were sick of having to deal with her. And they wanted to cut her out just completely. Like, she just needs to be gone from our life. So Grant began making allegations that Laura was, like, mentally unstable, that she was an unfit parent, and that she couldn't keep a job. She couldn't provide for the boys. None of this has ever been, like proven in any way they were just what he was saying to like his attorney and stuff like that gosh what an awful thing to do especially if it's not true right exactly so laura was like well you know if we're talking about this type of thing and who's fit parent and who's not i have some current concerns about grant's ability to to care for the kids as well because he's a musician He doesn't have Uh a steady income. He lives a transient life. He just up and moved everybody to St. John and then up and moved back to Raleigh. He's out all night. She felt like he had substance abuse issues. So he's firing shots at her. She's firing shots right Uh back at him. So the two of them went head to head in like a legal battle for custody for these two children. But Amanda, Grant's new wife, she has a lot of money. Right. So she can afford a you know, bulldog attorney. She can bombard Laura with court filings and fees. And then Laura, who's a single mom of two boys, she couldn't keep up. 
She just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were things getting filed and things being said about her officially that she didn't even know were happening because, yeah. you know, she just doesn't have the funds to keep up with things like that. So a judge, unfortunately, did award temporary, temporary primary custody to Grant and Amanda. So Laura would see the boys on weekends, every weekend, and Grant would have them during the week. But it was temporary, and both Grant and Laura were required to undergo psychological evaluations to determine their abilities to parent the boys. So the judge said, all right, you're both firing shots at at each other. I don't really know who's telling the truth. It seems like Grant has a steadier income than Laura does at this time. I'm going to give custody to him. You can see him every weekend and we're going to go through some things to figure out who's telling the truth here and Mm -hmm. who's not. Okay. So obviously this was devastating to Laura and she was like, I'm fighting this. Like, it's ridiculous. I'm a perfectly fit parent. I'm not going to stand for it. So she started working multiple jobs so that she could afford a good attorney. She began to learn graphic design, which she turned out actually being really good at. And she ended up starting her own company with a friend of hers called Fork and Spoon. So look at you, Laura. This is super cool, actually. So this was like 2010, 2011-ish. And what they would do is they would put local restaurants together with local businesses. So the businesses, local businesses, would put ads on the menus of the local restaurants. Hmm. And so Laura was the one coordinating all of this to come together. And because she could do the graphic design, she would design the restaurant's menus and put these businesses ads into it. And because she was doing it all herself, she didn't have to pay anybody to do it. There was quite a mm-hmm. bit of profit for her and her friend who was her business partner. So she's boss babing it up. I mean, she's getting her stuff together. So also during this time, Grant and Laura go through the requirements of what the judge had put in place as far as the psychological evaluations. And it was determined that Laura was perfectly fit to share custody with Grant, that there was no weight to any of these allegations that were being made against her. So Grant's obviously like unhappy about this. He, he doesn't want to deal with her, whatever, but there's not much he can do. They had a court date scheduled in August of 2011. And it was pretty clear that Laura would be given at least joint custody. So they Mm -hmm. would at least have like a 50-50 type situation. So also during this time, Grant and Amanda had themselves a new baby. Oh. So they had a baby girl. She was born in June of 2011. And Laura had really hoped that this new baby would like calm Grant down regarding the custody issues with their two boys. But it didn't. He was still being like a Hmm. butt. And it's pretty well known to everybody that Grant and Laura were not friendly co-parents. The custody battle was ugly. It was mean. It was expensive. But they did have this court date coming up in August. And Laura really felt like, okay, it's about to be over. Like, it's Mm going to be set right for me. So that brings us to July 2011. Just a few weeks away from that court date. And on July 12th, Grant emailed Laura and asked her if she would like to have an unscheduled midweek visit with the boys that following day, which was a Wednesday. Okay. So Laura was like, of course, 
I right. would, you know, that would be great. But she's confused because Grant's, this is not typical for him. It's not in character for him to just be like all nice to her and give her more time with the kids that right. wasn't even required. So she's like. And it's not like he's asking, oh, I have something to do. Can you just take them? Like he's like asking if she would like a random visit. You know, I mean, that maybe would have been like a little bit um, easier to understand. I don't know. I don't know that that's not how I wanted to word it. But like if they was like, oh, hey, I have a gig and, you know, Amanda's not free. So can you take the kids even? Though right. Like we need your help kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's confused, but she's like, I'll be there. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled. So on July 13th, Laura got up early and she went to several meetings with prospective clients. And after every meeting, she would call her business partner and say, I landed it. I nailed it. So good news all day long. Every time she went to a meeting, she just got all of this good news. And she said to her business partner, she was like, okay, I'm going to see the boys that evening. Grant called, you know, emailed me and asked me if it was okay. And, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm going to go. So um, I'll call you on my way home, like nine o'clock or so. And I'll give you all the details of the day. We'll figure out what we need to do for tomorrow. And she did say that um, she was really like excited at the fact that Grant had offered this to her because she thought maybe it meant he was like changing his tune. Mm. Like maybe he's going to work with me now. Maybe he realizes that I am going to get custody back of the kids and this is like his olive branch. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she was she was optimistic about the situation. So at 4.12 p.m., Laura sent a text to Grant saying that she was leaving the area that she was in and asked where he would be in about an hour. So I'm on my way. Where are you going to be in like an hour? And around five o'clock, she called him to say that she was almost there to pick the boys up. And where do you want to meet? Where do you want to meet me to meet you? So normally the two of them would meet at a gas station that was nearby Grant's house. But on this day, he said, well, can you just come get them? Can you just come to the apartment and get them? Mm. So she's like, all right, that's fine. I'll come get them. And she's like, I'm super excited about this. I'm going to have feed them dinner. I'm going to take him to a bounce house. You know, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. So around 10 o'clock that night, Laura's friend realizes that she never heard from Laura. She didn't call me. So she's thinking, well, she was probably tired, whatever. She had to drive an hour home. So I won't bother her. Mm-hmm. So the next day, she tries to call Laura and she isn't able to get a hold of her. So now this is very unlike Laura, especially because she knew, like, oh my gosh, she had all these business meetings the day before. We've got new accounts. We have stuff we need to do right now. So it's very odd for her to not answer the phone or answer her email or respond. But Laura's 27 years old. She is allowed to not answer her phone. So Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? So the friend just, you know, went on about her day, whatever. Then on Friday, the 15th, so Wednesday is when she was picking the boys up. So now Mm -hmm. we're Friday. Laura was supposed to meet Grant to get the boys. It's a weekend. Oh, right, That's her right. time. So Grant goes to the gas station that they always meet at, you know, prearranged, and he waits, but Laura never shows up. So he's calling her, wondering where she is. And, you know, her friends are trying to call her. She's got several people trying to get a hold of her at this point. No one hears back from her. And the weekend goes on and nobody hears anything. Hmm. So finally, on Monday, July 18th, Laura's friend, the business partner, calls police and reports her missing. And she tells police that she 
As far as she knows, no one has heard from Laura for five days since the fifth, the 13th. And the last thing that she knew, Laura was going to pick up her boys in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. After that, she has no clue where she went or what happened. So police call Grant because he's mm-hmm. the last person to supposedly be going to see her. And he says, yep, she picked the boys up on the 13th. She took them out. A few hours later, she brought them back. They were all sweaty, you know, clearly had been playing somewhere. And then she left. She went home. He tells police how she didn't show up for their weekend visitation on the 15th. And he said, I went to the gas station. It's where we normally meet. It's what time we normally meet. I waited with the boys. She wasn't there. But he also mentions that whenever he last saw her on the 13th, when she dropped the boys off, that she had said to him, you know, these I'm really trying to get my business up and going. And these weekend visits with the boys are starting to get a little bit hard for me as a single mom. And so she says, I, I would be willing to consider giving you guys full custody of the boys for $25,000. Heck no, she did not say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Grant was like, okay, I'll agree to that, but you have to sign something. Like, I'm not going to give you $25,000 and you go back on it. And he says that she did. And so he says that when she didn't show up on the 15th to get the kids, that he assumed that, like, she was just done with them. You know, she signed over custody and here you go. And that's what happened. He's like, she's, she's, Laura's flaky. She does that kind of thing. Why would he even think she was going to show up on that Friday if she signed over full custody for $25,000? You know, like I'm just saying, like that doesn't make any sense. Exactly, Grant. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So, but police actually obtained surveillance footage from the gas station and Grant was there with the boys. He took them there. He waited 40 minutes. (laughs) You you don't like Grant very much, do you? (laughs) I don't. And I already know he's planning some sort of alibi. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, okay. Well, there it is. He goes to the gas station. He confirms. They confirm that. He waits with the boys 30, 40 minutes, and then they leave. Hmm. All right. So we'll find out if this is, in fact, an alibi that he's scheming up, as you say. Can I ask a question, though, before you – I know you're going to say you're going to break – did they talk to the boys to see if they, in fact, did hang out with mom on Wednesday night? Uh, I don't think at this time they did. Okay. The boys okay. were only like one and three. Okay. So they're right. very, very young boys. And right. no, I think that they just called Grant and were like, hey, we're getting a report that Laura's missing. What do you know? Right. Okay. And I think that was all at this time. But we'll get into what happens right after this break. Okay, so the next thing that police do is they search Laura's apartment. So everything looks perfectly normal. There's no disturbances, no robbery, no foul play, nothing. There's food, as if she had gone to the grocery store. There's nothing missing. So it seems like everything is in place and there. There's no indication that she, like, packed up and left. Her computer was on the counter. Her makeup was there. Personal belongings were all there. They do find a notebook or a, a, some like tape recorders, things like this, that document all of her communications with Grant regarding the boys and the custody. And they're able to read through that stuff or listen to that stuff. And they really see how like ugly the whole entire situation seemed to be. And it also shows how thoroughly 
she was documenting all of this stuff and fighting. Like she mm, was right. fighting him for the kids. Yeah. So they're like, it's really weird that she would just do a 180 and agree to hand over full custody as long as she got like a nest egg of money. Like what's right, she going to yeah. do? Just leave and start a new life? It doesn't make right. much sense, you know? She was doing all of this and starting her own business and getting her life in order so that she could prove she was a fit parent. So exactly. like – Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah. So they start talking to her friends and they really, really start to confirm this bitter relationship that's been going on with Grant and Amanda and this upcoming court date and that it was essentially turn it all around for her. And Laura's friends also tell police that Laura had started to say things like that she was, you know, she was like, I, I don't, I'm worried about Grant. Like he really hates me and he's volatile and I'm worried about my boys and their safety and my safety. And like, you know, she had expressed some serious concerns. Hmm. So then on July 20th, so this is seven days after Laura went missing, police find her car. So her car is parked in, a, in an apartment building's parking lot. Not her apartment building? Not her apartment building. Another apartment building in Raleigh. Okay. And it looks totally normal. There's no signs of a struggle, no signs of foul play, and her purse was in the car. So that's mm. concerning. Interestingly, the car is found right across the street from Grant and Amanda's apartment. Oh, I was going to ask if it was close to theirs. Yeah, it's like within yards right. of their apartment. So at this point, Grant becomes a suspect. So police get a search warrant for Grant's apartment, and they go there. Grant and Amanda are not there. Amanda's older daughter was there. So she, like, I mean, they have a warrant. So she lets them in. They search the apartment. During the search, police notice, get ready for it, a strong smell of bleach. They notice bleach stains beside the front door and also near a hallway bathroom. So they go into that bathroom, and when they go into the bathroom, they find it is totally empty. There is no shower curtain, no rugs, no towels, nothing. It's just an empty bathroom, like it had never been used before ever. Okay. It's completely pristine, totally like gleaming white. Like they describe it as like eat off surfaces white. They also find that informal agreement about the custody exchange for the $25,000, and it appeared to be signed by Laura. So they make handprint, handwriting analysis, please. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so police subpoena Grant's phone records, which they get immediately, and they learn that Grant's cell phone is pinging. 1,200 miles away in Texas. What in the world? I know. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I always find myself in Texas. Yes, this is so I true. always somehow wind up in Texas. <laughs> so these Raleigh police are like, road trip. So they get in the car and they drive to a small town called Richmond, Texas. It's about 60 miles south of Houston. And they trace Grant's cell phone pings to a home in Richmond, Texas, that they learn is Amanda's sister's home. Oh. Her name is Karen. Oh, okay. Karen, like, suggested this case, not the same Karen. Right, right, right. <laughs> so on July 24th, they knock on Karen's door, and they ask to speak with her about Grant Hayes. 
So the sister tells the police, oh, they were just here. So Hmm. it was weird. They just showed up out of the blue with an antique dresser that they wanted to give me that had been a family heirloom. And you just missed them. They just went, they just left to go back to North Carolina. Hmm. An antique dresser? Uh huh. Did she know about this? Like, it's a family heirloom, but she aware that there was this family heirloom in the family? I don't know. I mean, right, I think like, she was aware of it, its existence, but right, okay, okay. yeah, all of a sudden they just showed up and were like, Christmas in July, Karen. Here you go. Here's your dresser. Huh. But then Karen starts crying. And then she says she needs to pray. I'm not kidding. This is really what happened. Oh, my word. So she prays for God to give her the strength to do the right thing. And then Karen does the right thing. She tells the truth. She tells police that she believes that Grant had hurt Laura and that Amanda was helping him. She oh. says that they showed up in a U-Haul trailer with the dresser in the back of the trailer, along with about six coolers. They had been asking odd questions during their visit about how deep her well was, about her septic system. And then they asked her about this creek across the street and said, are there alligators in that creek? Which there were. So she was like, yeah, there's alligators in there, I guess. I don't know. So then she tells police that one night while Grant and Amanda were there, that they had asked if they could take her boat to go fishing Hmm. in the middle of the night. And then she tells police, also while they were here, Amanda told me that they had hurt Laura. Uh, (laughs) So she doesn't just believe it. She was told. Right. Right. So police immediately run across the street and begin searching this oyster. It's called Oyster Creek. It's this creek mm-hmm. across the street. They brought in dive teams and cadaver dogs. And after a lot of extensive searching, police recovered five badly decomposed body parts of a white female. Oh, my word. Right. So trigger warning on this. If you don't want to hear it, they find a torso in a couple different pieces severed at the neck and the hips. They find a skull, a leg, a thigh. Ultimately, they end up recovering 60% of a body. And 60%? Only 60%. Oh, gosh. Those alligators? I don't know. Oh. I don't think so because it had not been there very long. Okay. But through dental records, they confirm, unfortunately, that those remains are those of 27-year-old Lara Ackerson from North oh Carolina. Goodness. So Lara had clearly been intentionally dismembered. And it appeared that the remains had also been doused with muriatic acid. That stuff that you use in pools. I was going to say, I got a whole bunch of that in my basement. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So there are signs of strangulation, but due to the condition of her remains and the acid and how long it had been at this point, a cause of death could not definitively be determined. So her death is listed as homicide by undetermined means. I I was going to ask a question, but I feel like you might get to it. Um, But what? Were they trying to, like, melt her body with the acid? I think so. 
just so that it would decompose faster or even to make it to where it couldn't be identified, possibly. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that kind of acid does, like, I mean, I know that it can burn your skin and cause damage, but I don't know that that's like what people have used before (laughs) to like get rid of bodies. Myriad. Yeah, I think, I don't know that specific acid, but I do know acid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Grant and Amanda Hayes are both immediately arrested and charged with first degree murder. And Grant goes on trial first. So, okay. Police showed surveillance footage of Grant on the night that Lara went missing. He goes to Walmart and to Target. And between the two stores, Grant, in the middle of the night, calmly purchases trash bags, goggles, a reciprocating saw, extra blades, plastic sheeting, tarps, gloves, bleach, tape, and a lint roller. Okay. Just throw that one thing in there that might throw everyone off track of what they're buying. I don't even know. Maybe for fibers, if I'm thinking like a criminal, but I don't know. So the following day, Grant then purchases coolers and rents a U-Haul trailer, telling the U-Haul company that he would be returning that trailer in Texas. Oh, one way. Well, how are they getting home? Well, it's a tow behind trailer. Oh, got it. Yeah, so it attaches onto your vehicle. So then they go to Texas, and while in Texas, Grant goes to a Home Depot, and he purchases muriatic acid and gloves. Lord okay, this is a, a bit damning, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I might say. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution believed that the evidence showed that Grant, and possibly Amanda, killed Lara in their apartment in Raleigh, set up that hallway bathroom with sheeting and tarps, dismembered her body, kept it in coolers, rented a U-Haul trailer, and then drove to Texas where they went out on a boat and threw the body parts in Oyster Creek. Did did she learn all this on her time on Dexter? Man, I couldn't have paid you to say that <laughs> any better because I literally say my next statement was, does this remind you of anything that you've ever seen before on like a show or something that she may have acted on? Anything? Oh my goodness. That is a, it is a complete scene. Uh-huh. Like completely covering your the room you're going to do it in. Like, oh my gosh. And also he take them out on a boat and dump them. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Exactly, dude. Okay. So Grant, maybe because of this Dexter connection, blames it all on Amanda. He says, it was Amanda. He said, Laura came over. She and Amanda began fighting. It escalated physically. And that what he thinks happened is that Amanda elbowed Laura in the neck. And he must have crushed her neck bone because she died. And so then he was freaking out. He panicked. He thought he was going to be blamed for it. And Amanda was like, dude, I got you on the show. I got a plan. Oh my god! I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's like it's not the funny. The transparency of it, the stupidity of it, is funny. Right? Yeah, exactly. So criminals are so dumb. Okay, so he did. He didn't come up with any of the plans. He said he was just a puppet. He was just a puppet. You know, uh, being being manipulated by Dexter Amanda. So during the trial. 
The prosecution plays one of the songs that had previously be, been written by Grant Hayes with a Z mm-hmm. called Broomstick Rider, which is a play on which. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics. Okay. And you, you tell me who you think this song is about. My baby's mama. Don't talk to me. Don't want your drama. I got two kids by you. I can't take any more from you. I put a price tag on your head. You must have told your attorney I got intentions on killing you. Might stop me, but my bullets will get you. Number one, I'm not quite sure who that's about. (laughs) But when did he write this? Before. Before. But like like long before? No, not long. I don't know. It had been recorded. So he had right. time for it to be recording. You can go mm-hmm. and listen to it. I did. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So in September of 2013, Grant is found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Well, good. there you go. Okay. So February of 2014, Amanda goes on trial. So Amanda, of course, is like, oh, you're going to blame me for all of this? Well, then I'm going to blame you for all of this. And that's what she does. She t- now Amanda, t- now hold on to your pants, okay? Because if you thought Grant's description of what happened was dumb, get, get, just, just hang on. Goodness gracious. She says that she was not even aware that Grant had killed Laura until after they were already in Texas. And that she helped him. Like she, she learned about it in Texas. He told her about it after everything was all done, all done. She was dead. She was brought to Texas and she was put in the Creek. And then he told her about it. Well, where was she when it happened? Because it happened in your apartment. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Well, she said she wasn't there. She was out to dinner or something, you know, Mm -hmm. long dinner. Um, But she said the reason why that she didn't like roll on him or tell police that he was the one who had done it was because he had been threatening her life and the life of her older daughter and their baby daughter. And so she was afraid. Where was the daughter and the children, the other two, the boys, when all this was happening? I mean, we don't know. In the house, essentially. Mm. I I don't know where the older daughter was. I don't think she lived there, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But so, so here's what she claims. She claims that she, she, this, (laughs) this is what I'm saying. This is what she wants us to believe. That a woman was killed in your house and you had no idea. Her body was dismembered in your hallway bathroom by your husband and you had no idea. You had this dismembered in your body, this dismembered body in your house (laughs) Mm -hmm. for days and you had no idea. You drove from North Carolina to Texas with that body in six coolers in the back of a U-Haul and had no idea. And then you sat in a 10-foot fishing boat with that dismembered body while your husband was throwing it piece by piece into a creek. And you had no idea. Because it was dark. She was even saying that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought thought she had said that she helped him, like, get rid of it and, like, cover it up. It was all done before she knew about anything. All that had already happened. And then she was like, and then he told me what happened. And I just kept it quiet. Oh. And the Academy Award goes to? (laughs) Amanda. (laughs) Wow. So police, however, do find surveillance footage of Amanda dumping the empty bottles of the muriatic acid in the woods nearby her sister's home. 
So it's very clear that she was involved in all of this in one way or another. Right. Yeah. So Amanda was found guilty of second degree murder and was sentenced to 13 to 16 years in prison. And what year was that? Not very much. This was in 2014 Hmm. that she was sentenced. So guess what she does? Then she files for divorce. Oh, well, shoot. Like, man, this is not going to work out. Yeah. It's not you. It's me. I'm not waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So Grant has appealed his conviction, but that appeal was denied. He also tried to escape from prison, but was caught before he could leave the prison grounds. So that's good. And I did read in one source, which kind of made me happy a little bit, that Amanda has also now been indicted in Texas on charges related to dumping a body. And if she is convicted, she could face up to 20 more years in a Texas prison once she serves her North Carolina term. So just because she only got 13 to 16 years in North Carolina doesn't mean that she's going to be free. She's still facing issues in Texas. Oh, wow. So that's good. Wow. Yeah. And that is the story of Laura Ackerson. Oh, and the boys are being raised by Grant's parents. Okay. I was going to ask. Okay. I don't know about um, the daughter, the newborn daughter. Oh. The baby daughter. I don't know where she is, but. Gosh, wow. Gosh, what a terrible story. Terrible. Like super messed up. What makes you all of a sudden just decide you're done with dealing with your like baby's mama and like this is the – I mean, I get it. I get maybe you don't have the best relationship and you're just tired of dealing with whatever. But it didn't seem like she was like a terrible person to deal with to begin with. No. Until he started causing her issues. And then then you go to this like – Yeah, I'm pretty sure we know exactly who the terrible people were in this particular situation. Like, it was not Laura. She was not the terrible people. Gosh, no, no, that's for sure. Well, shoot. Thanks for telling that. Oh, boy. (laughs) Thanks, Karen, for sending that suggestion. Ay, ay, ay. I don't even. I know where these apartments are, too. I looked them up. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, oof. they're not near me, but right. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, well, that that's just awful. And I don't, yeah, I have muriatic acid in my basement, guys. I'm not using it for anything but my pool. Promise. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't suggest it because it didn't work out. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that it's like powerful enough. I mean, clearly we're swimming in it. I mean, I know it's diluted well, true, by a right? lot. But like, it's. I don't think that it's like strong enough. I know that it would burn you. I clearly have to be careful when I'm using it. But like, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess in large quantities, I don't really know what it would do, but I still don't think that that's like something that you use to, to solve a body. That's the word you use. Right. Right. Anyway, anyway, terrible, 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 terrible. So did you know it? I, I had heard bits and pieces of it. I didn't know enough about it to like know, you know, I didn't know all the details. Right. Of it. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Gosh, I'm sorry for those kids. I hope that they are able oh, I know. to. Oh, my gosh. that's um, They're always the real victims. It's always yeah. say it all the time. So Yeah, no kidding. Anyway. And just a quick plug. You guys should watch Dexter if you haven't watched it. And Dexter New Blood, which is out right now. Yes. <laughs> which our friends on What Happened in the Woods mentioned it on theirs. They did like a whole beginning. The whole beginning yeah. of their episode a couple weeks ago was about it. And I was the whole time going, yes, yes. Oh, I haven't watched <laughs> it yet. So no. I mean, I hated... I agree with Bryce. I hated the way it ended. Um, 
the first the the first um oh yeah the original Dexter the original Dexter game and so I was kind of like I don't know what they're gonna do but they're doing a really good job with it it's cheesy to me it's which it's always been kind of cheesy like mm-hmm. you get to a certain point and how far can you take this kind of story but I still love it I still love it I think it's great it's <laughs> we're fantastic. still here for it got it still here for it's it it's on my list so, I'm definitely planning on watching okay. it I just haven't started yet so 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 quick plug maybe we'll get a you know, I don't know, ad or something. No, probably not. <laughs> call us. Call us showtime. Yeah. Anyways. Um, well, clearly you never know even who you are having kids with and if they're good people or not. So it's just more proof, guys, that the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets. <laughs> <laughs>